I want to ask you, uh, by the way of introduction, are things falling apart in your life? Are you falling apart emotionally? I got a feeling some of us today are really falling apart. Maybe spiritually you're falling apart. You've lost some ground. You're not really where you want to be, and you're not really where you used to be. Are you falling apart financially? Are you falling apart in your family? Are things really unraveling in your life? We live in a world that's no doubt coming apart. I've been really thinking and praying about what's going on, not only in our world, but in our families. And I'm convinced there are a number of people today, emotionally, you are really coming apart. And maybe spiritually, you're coming apart. Well, speaking of coming apart, I don't know if you uh, notice these captions uh, you can be held together. We can be held together in the middle of a storm. And there are storms all around us. And yet, the Lord said He'd be with us to hold us together. I'm not talking about self-effort here. I'm not talking about the arm of flesh here. I'm talking about the Spirit of the living God holding us steady when the troubles come, when the bottom falls out, when we get the bad news, oh yes, it's one thing to praise the Lord on the mountaintops, it's another thing altogether when we're in the valley. Oh yes, the Lord wants to hold us steady. And I've got good news for you today. There is hope in Jesus. Some of you and some of us are hanging on by a thread. Oh, we're able to do what we're able to do, but deep down inside, it's... Uh, we're coming apart, and the Lord's given me the message to share with you today because the storms are going to come. Yes, they're inevitable, and no one is exempt from the storms. And if we really, really don't get serious about abiding in the vine, having a love relationship with the Lord, the storms are going to come and take us unaware. They're going to knock us down to our knees, or they're going to catch us by surprise. And even though we uh, are in church and we go through the motions, if we're, watch this, if we're really not obeying God, if we're really not repenting of sin, if we're really not uh, pursuing that relationship with the Lord, then I suggest we're just going through the motions and then the storm is going to uh, reveal uh, where we're really at with the Lord. So I've got news for you. The Lord wants to hold us together. Oh, yes, he can hold you together. But you know the Lord calls us to him. He's not going to force you to come to him. He might allow storms to come in our life that would be drawing close to him. But I want to tell you something. As we consider the thought today, held together or falling apart. Held together or falling apart. Can you allow me just a few extra minutes by way of introduction before I get into the meat of the message? I know you're aware of what took place on January the 6th in our capital. 
Now, I began to run across an article written in the USA Today, a liberal uh, reporter, by the way, and a liberal magazine, but I just want you to be aware, in case you're not, what's going on in our world and even in God bless America. Uh, these who stormed the walls and uh, went into the White House, uh, this particular article uh, made reference to these, and you've got to pay attention for a moment, would you? Because we are facing sometimes unparalleled when it comes to persecution and when it comes to uh, being free and being able to express our biblical worldview. For example, this was an article written, Christian nationalism is a threat, and not just from capital attackers invoking Jesus. This is the title of the article. Rachel Mikva is the writer, January the 31st. I'm talking about some storms. Note what this article went on to say. After a portion of the mob entered the Senate chamber on January the 6th, a handful of men mounted the podium. One of them lifted his hands and cried out, Jesus Christ, we invoke your name. Amen. Then Jacob Chansley, sometimes called the QAnon Shaman, took his bullhorn and announced gratitude to God for being able to, quote, send a message to all the tyrants, the communists, the globalists, that this is our nation, not theirs. Hang with me. I'm going somewhere. Meanwhile, there are people outside the White House praying. Supporters of the den, then President Donald Trump pray outside the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th, 2021, in Washington, D.C. And here is a picture of those praying outside. Do you know what took place? Do you understand what I'm trying to say today? Do you see uh, the movement? that is spreading across our nation. These who stormed inside of the Capitol are identified with these outside the Capitol. Hello. And by the way, I'll read the rest of the article in a moment in case you're wondering. I just want you to connect the pieces together in the puzzle. In fact, before I go any further, let me just clarify in case you're not following me. You, 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 me are the problem, according to this crowd. We're the problem in America. Yes, you are. I am. Wait a minute. I've got news for that crowd. If it wasn't for the blood bought, the blood wash redeemed of God being salt and light in this nation, the judgment of God would fall more than it is today. Did you know that? Listen, 
The article went on to say, and I quote, in taking America back to God or for God, Christian nationalism in the United States, Andrew Whitehead and Samuel Perry defined Christian nationalism as, I quote, a collection of myths, traditions, symbols, narratives, and value systems that idealizes and advocates a fusion of Christianity with American civil life. It includes an assumptions of nativism, white supremacy, patriarchy, and heteronormativity, along with divine sanction for authoritarian control and militarism. It is as ethnic and political as its religion or religious. Now, I'm not finished. The article's not finished. My brother, my sister, we need to wake up in America. We need to wake up in our churches. We need to wake up as God's people. This is what's going on. Notice, it says further, the agenda is not always explicit, according to the article. When Senator Ted Cruz talks of, quote, restoring America, he means to recover what he believes is its original identity as a Christian nation. Historian John Fee argues that Cruz's outlook reflects the seven mountains dominionism of his father, a conviction that Christians are called by God to exercise dominion over every aspect of society by taking control of political and cultural institutions, parentheses, religion, family, education, government, media, arts, and entertainment, and business. While Cruz is too politically savvy to endorse dominion theology outright, he uses code words like, quote, religious liberty to sustain Christian privilege and cultural authority. Here is the author of this particular article, Rachel Mikva, and you can see the uh, other information that goes along with this particular article. I thought this rather amusing, beloved, because the average Christian does not uh, understand what we're going through now. We're hanging on for dear life. We're just barely surviving in this nation and in the average Christian, we're not understanding that, look, I'm not warring and I'm not fighting for the politicians and for the government. I'm fighting against the principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And there's a difference, beloved. There's a difference. I don't know who you're warring against, but it's time we declare war against the enemy. And it's not a flesh and blood battle. And so, I want to get right into the message today. Are you coming apart or are you held together? Brother and sister, we've got some storms looming on the horizon. How many of y'all believe that? You better know we've got some storms on the horizon. What should we do? Should we be knocked off guard? Should we be knocked out of the battle? Hey, listen, I love you, but I'm looking at some of you right now, and some of you, you're not in the battle. Some of you are on the peripheral. Some of you, we need you on the team Jesus. Amen? Amen. 
we need you to get in the battle. And there's too many Christians that are at, at ease in Zion. There's too many of uh, Christians who are just playing games. And uh, I'm telling you, this thing's going to intensify more and more. So, can we be held together? Some of us today need to say, Lord, I've just been kind of going along with the flow. I need to start standing up as a soldier of the cross. I need to start being serious about walking in holiness. I need to start, uh, uh, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How many believe we are raising a generation that does not know God? You know what I'm talking about. We're in trouble. I'm telling you, we're in trouble. And if we don't get down to business with God, this thing ain't going to get any better. In fact, I've got some good news for you, but I'm convinced, I tell you, wow, this thing, oh my, how can we be held together? Some of us right now, you're able to function, but when the bottom falls out and when the heat's turned up, it's going to cause us to unravel unless, unless, number one, we're watching and waiting for Jesus to come for his church. And there's a second way we're going to find in the text by not only watching and waiting, but by working and witnessing and worshiping until Jesus comes for his church. Yes, the time has come. Right now, you can just get by with the minimum. Right now, you can, and I can just, uh, you know, casually serve God. But brother, when the heat turns up, and sister, when the storms start billowing in, it's going to refine, and it's going to expose who is really building their life on the rock, and who has been playing games, or who has... Uh, building their life upon the sinking sand. I'm saying this, our families are in trouble. I'm saying this, our culture's in trouble. I'm saying this, outside of the intervention of a mighty God, we are destined for doom here in America. You say, Pastor, I didn't come to church to be negative. Friend, you need to get your head out of the sand. We're in a battle. And if you're not in the battle, you don't uh, know what's going on. Look, number three, by warning those outside the church, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. I went a little longer in our way of introduction, but it was so necessary to just simply point out to you where we're at and where we're heading. You say, but I don't care. You say, I just got my life. I just want to go to get a job. I just want to pay my bills. I just want to, hey, look, you've got children and grandchildren. You've got a future in store. You and I have been called for such as times as these, and we need to have the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God on our life. We need the blessings. How many want the blessings of God on your life? No matter what. Yes. It's just not going to automatically happen. Yes, the sun shines on the just and the unjust, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But there is that supernatural blessings of God that we read in the Holy Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation when the people of God walk with the Lord. It doesn't mean, by the way, that we're exempt from the problems but it means this, we are here for a purpose and a plan. And by the way, it's not to live for ourselves. It's to serve and honor the Lord Jesus. And when he's finished with us, 
he might as well take us home. Look at Revelation 22. You like to stand? You can right now. I'm beginning in verse 12. And behold, I come quickly. That is tachos, tachometer. I come quickly. And my reward, and that word reward is uh, mithor, means pay or recompense. I come quickly. And my payback, the Lord said, it pays to serve him. <laughs> oh, I need somebody to help me there. I said it pays to serve the Lord. But wait a minute, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be laughed at. You're going to be talked about. But wait a minute. When the bottom falls out and when your friends don't have answers and when they go through trouble, you know who they're going to come to? They're not going to go to their friends who are not walking with God because they don't have answers. They're going to come to you and to those who are walking with God and those who can get a line to heaven. Hey, look, prayer makes a difference. Keep reading now. My reward, said the Lord, is with me. Verse 12, to them, every man, according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed, verse 14, Macarius, happy, happy. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Not just talk about them, not just give lip service, not just know God about him, but really know him. Blessed are they that do his commandments. They may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. For without are dogs. He's not talking about four-legged dogs there, by the way. He's talking about, by the way, this message kind of evolved from that verse right there. Somebody asked me a question about it. For without are dogs. Somebody said, is this right outside the gate of the New Jerusalem? No, this is referring to not even in the New Jerusalem or anywhere near the New Jerusalem. Without is an uh, expression. Notice, for without are dogs and sorcerers. The word sorcerer is pharmakia. Uh, that is uh, magicians and mind-altering things. And, and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters. And whoever loveth and maketh a lie, pseudo-lie, false deception. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. First time churches have mentioned since Revelation chapter 2 and 3. It's not mentioned in chapter 6 to chapter 18. Why? Because the church is not going to be here. Oh, no. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come, or come I. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Hallelujah. I love that. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. He that testifies saith these things, surely... I come quickly, amen, even, so come, Lord Jesus. Father, Lord, I don't know how to, what to say, as all to say it, but Lord, I'm asking you to take over. And, oh Lord, open hearts, open minds today, and change us, transform us. Oh God, I pray that you'll 
First cleanse me of every sin of omission, every deception, all the excuses, all, dear Lord, uh, looking at other people instead of myself. And I confess that for all of us, Lord, today we're in great need. I'm in great need. And I thank you, Jesus, for your great love. And we know that you're with us, but Lord, we sense some things happening. And you want us to not be ignorant. You want us to be prepared. You want us, dear Lord, to make a difference while we can. And I pray now your resurrection power will get us out of our despondency and our apathy and our complacency. Oh, God, call us, your people, to stand, having done all to stand. Call us, Lord, to be soul winners. Call us, Lord, to love you. Call us, Lord. To make a difference, call us out, dear Lord. Father's time. Lord, we're our, arm. our trust is not in the government. Lord, I confess our trust is not in the government. Our trust is in you. Hallelujah. Because your government will come and you will rule and reign for a thousand years and throughout all eternity. Help us, Lord, to get our eyes off the arm of flesh. Help us, Lord, not to put our faith in men who let us down. Help us to put our faith because some trust in chariots, you tell us, and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God because you cannot fail, you will not fail. And the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He's going to reign forever and forever. Father, don't allow us to be deceived in this moment, but Father, zero in on us and bend us and subdue us and conquer our stubborn wills and our hard hearts and our worldliness and Father God, our waywardness and dear Lord, may the blood of Jesus cleanse us and the power of your Holy Spirit fill this empty vessel, fill us dear God as a church. Help New Rocky Creek Baptist Church to stand. I pray that, dear God, for sinners out in the community who are swallowing the lies of the enemy. And, uh, Lord, we pray, God, you'll give us your vision and your passion and your compassion. So, Father, be godly men, godly daddies, and godly husbands, and godly mamas and godly wives. I pray you'll strip away the pretense, remove the hypocrisy, deliver us from sham and pretense, deliver us, Lord, from play acting, deliver us from hypocrisy again. I pray, God, that you would, uh, Lord, dig deep down in our hearts and reveal our great need and bring us to the cross. And, dear Lord, mercy, revive us again. And we just have hope in you. Hallelujah. So I pray those today that are feeling things are falling apart, I pray, Holy Ghost, you'll put heaven's glue and bring it together to see the big picture. You are in control and you are on your throne. You love us and you, thank you, Jesus, died and rose again and are coming again. So be glorified, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So number one, how can we be held together when things are unraveling, falling apart? 
I believe the first way is by watching and waiting. Now listen to me. You say, oh, but you always talk about Jesus coming again. Yeah, Peter said one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Don't forget that. And that means Jesus has been gone 2,000 years, really two days. He could come back. Here's the point. The point is this. If he doesn't come back, how many of y'all want to be in his will? Not in his way, in his will. Are you in his will right now? Are you in the center of God's will? If not, you need to get with God today. Maybe there's some relationships you need to break off. Maybe there's some bad habits that we have been compromising that we need to turn from. I don't know. I know this. Watching and waiting. Look, behold, I come quickly. Tachos, tachometer. And my reward is with them, is with me. To give every man according to his work shall be. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You see, here's the deal. Knowing the Lord Jesus is coming back ought to create holiness in my life and in your life because if he came back while I was like Lot's wife, turned back and looked at Sodom, then uh, I would lose uh, rewards for we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, by watching and waiting for the coming of the Lord. Now, I've got bad news and I've got good news. I've got bad news and I've got good news. What do you want to hear first? You want to hear the bad news or you want to hear the good news? All right, the bad news. <laughs> uh, okay, and like the husband and his wife called him, I told you about it, and his wife said, i got good news, i got bad news. He said, don't tell me any bad news. I've had bad news all day. Don't tell me any bad news. What's the good news? She said, well, the good news is the airbags work on the car, all right? That's the good news. Well, I've got bad news, I've got good news. Here's the bad news. Look, the bad news is, I wish I didn't have to tell you this. It's probably not going to get much better here on earth. You do know that, don't you? So, so don't put all your eggs in the basket here on earth and think that this is all there is. Uh-uh. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, As in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. Two shall be in the field, one to be taken, one to be left. I used to think that was the rapture, but that really is the second coming. Taken in judgment, and the other left to go into millennial reign. Uh, two women grinding at the mill, one to be taken, one to be left. And so, it's not going to get any better. That's the bad news. Now, you can pretend like it is, you can act like it is, you can be as positive as you want to, and I know the Lord has left us for times as this, but I want to remind you, Jesus also said in Luke chapter 21, he said that, take heed. He said, the sea and the waves will be roaring, and men's heart will be failing them for fear, for the things which will come upon the earth. And then he said, and then shall the Son of God come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So, things are going to continue the trend until the Antichrist is revealed. For some reason, we, I'm afraid that we have been deceived to think that, you know, that things aren't going to go according to the Bible. But wait a minute, I've got other news besides that. You know, uh... In the book of Luke, chapter 17, you know what the Lord Jesus said? He said this. He said, watch this, as in the days of Lot, Lot, L-O-T, 
as in the days of Lot, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Who would have ever dreamed 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that we would even be debating about this gender identity? Men that want to be ladies. Ladies that want to be men. God help us. And by the way, the younger generation that we're so burdened about, and there's several here this morning, but by and large, I, I'm, I'm just saying this, and you may not agree with me, we are losing this younger generation. We're losing them. Y'all know it deep down inside too, don't you? You know it. This coronavirus, COVID-19, hadn't helped either. they just doing what they want to do. Well, what should we do? Gender identity. I don't care if a man wants to be a woman or a woman wants to be a man. When we stand before God, it's what's on our birth certificate that's going to matter, period. That's it. And by the way, did you ever think we'd live in days where women are be going to men's bathrooms and men going to dress in women's? That's where we're heading. That's where we're at. We're messed up. The bad news. What can we do? Where are we at? Hello. You're Christian, right? And your children. I'm looking at children right here on the front row. God, give us tears to weep for our boys and girls, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Hey, look. I enjoy life too. But man, don't just go through life and feel like last one big party. No, no, no. God is calling us right now. There's a generation that rose up that did not know Joseph. And the Bible teaches in the book of Kings, which I suggest to you we're right there. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Wait a minute. Solomon said there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And this is where we're at right now. Hey, God's calling some men and women. Don't cave in. Don't unravel. Don't get so caught up in the world that you cannot be a soldier of the cross. Paul said this to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, endure hardness. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that boreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had called him to be a soldier. I'll be honest with you. Can I be really honest with you? I don't really like the cross. And you don't either. Don't look at me like you do. Death to yourself is not pleasant. Don't you act like it is. It's not. Because our flesh wants to do everything opposite of death. Talk to me. My flesh doesn't like the cross. Oh yes, I like the cross that Jesus died on the cross. But guess what? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a cross for you and for me. Jesus said, if any man wish to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. You know what that means? It doesn't mean salvation. It means sanctification. It means discipleship after we're saved. 
But oh, but I don't really like, I want to please myself. I want to gratify the flesh. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want any restraints. I don't want any controls. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I want to do my own thing. That's where the average Christian is today. I know this is straightforward. I don't know any other way to say it. And God's convicted my heart too, trust me. As I'm sharing this, I'm praying, oh God, help me not to be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. You see, we can all give God lip service, but the bottom line is the trend that's going on. So, uh, what are you going to do about your young, your young people? What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm grateful to God as a church. At least we've got some plans in place. Thank God. We've got children's ministry in place. We've got youth ministry in place. I'm not saying it's a one-size-fit-all that is going to eliminate any kind of world view that will be developed by our young people. But at least, at least, at least, at least, we're doing something. By the way, the time has come when parents and grandparents, you know this and I know this, to think you can drop off for your children at church and then in what little bit of time we've got, we're going to absolutely transform your children and grandchildren. And if you're not living it at home, it's a total contradiction of having them come to church and then living a double lifestyle at home. Oh man, that hurts, but that's the truth. And the truth will set us free. And all of us stand in need. I do. You do. Things we've done. Things we said. Things we've not done. And I think that uh, a lot of parents and grandparents, well, uh, they say this, and I've said it too. You know, well, we raised our church. We raised our children in church, as if that's a one size fit all. As if that fixes everything. Y'all hear me? That's just a starting place. I can't hear you. That's just a starting place. And I thank you we've been deceived if we think that this is all there is to it. Oh, but you say, and by the way, don't speak too quickly. Don't speak too quickly. And by the way, I'm learning. I hadn't learned, but I'm learning. Y'all ready for this? Never say never. Never say never. Because it ain't over till it's over. Yes, we got God's promises. Yes, we got God's power. Yes, we got God's peace. But we're in a battle, beloved. We're in a war. And the devil's real. And the principalities are real. And if we are not engaging the enemy, the enemy is taking ground, not only in our family, but in this culture. Yes, I come quickly. I come quickly. Well, I plan to, Lord, if the Lord wills, I'll go to such and such a city. If the Lord wills, we'll reach out until Jesus comes again or until we see him face to face. I talked with a couple just this week about their relationship with God. They said, we're not ready. We're not ready. They're in the young 20s. And I said this. You're not ready? Well, what are you going to do when you die? What's going to happen when you die? You're going to die one day. You know that. It's the point of the man wants to die. Oh, but, but I got life to live. I've got things to do. Yes, the deception. There's a second way, hear me, that I believe the Lord will hold us together when the world's coming apart. Not only by watching and waiting. Are you watching? 
<laughs> oh, nothing encouraged me so much when I look at the news and I see what's going on here and there. And then I read the Bible and say, oh, hallelujah, Jesus is coming one day. And you've left us here as your bride to keep looking up, to keep running the race, to keep fighting the good fight of faith, to keep engaging the enemy, to keep throwing out the lifeline, to keep living a life, not perfect, mind you, but a life that's full of love and joy and peace. And there's some of us today that may need God to fill your tank up because you're empty. Many of us today are stressed out. I know I can look at your face and tell that. I know it's a very stressful time for everybody. I love you. I thank God for you. Secondly, by working and worshiping until Jesus comes for his church. Notice what the writer John, led by the Holy Spirit, exiled on the Isle of Patmos after talking about the New Jerusalem. Now he's talking about what it's going to be like in chapter 22. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. Macarius are they. Happy are they. That do his commandments. And his commandments aren't grievous. Y'all listen to me. When we talk about the commandments of God, I used to think that it was the Ten Commandments. I was going to try to keep the Ten Commandments. Y'all please hear me. You can't keep the Ten Commandments, neither can I. So stop trying. Stop living a legalistic lifestyle thinking you can keep the Ten Commandments and please God. The Ten Commandments were given to us as a miller, as a school teacher, Galatians chapter 3, to point us to our era that we need a Savior. We need forgiveness of our sin. So uh, when we talk about do His commandments, we're not talking about trying to serve God in the flesh, and do all these rules and regulations. No, rather it's getting on our faces before God and saying, God, I don't even know my heart. Search my heart. And all the sin that I hadn't even sinned and, and all the ways I need your resurrection power work in my heart. Have you done that lately? When's the last time you did that? <laughs> oh, I know it, I know it. I know we're in church today, but, but look, do this command, do, that they may have the right to the eat of the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of that city. Jesus said, work while it's day. There's coming a night when no man can work. How many of y'all believe that time's running out? I don't have to tell you that. Time's running out. Time is running out. It's run out for you and it's run out for me too. Well, I, I, that's not a uh, negative comment. It's just an evaluation. Where are you at? Are you in the fourth quarter of life? Uh, are you in the two-minute warning of life? You don't know and I don't know. Where are you at in your life? What, what kind of goals has God put on your heart? What kind of vision has God put on your heart? What, 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 what are you praying about your family? Oh, I know things get disarray. I know that we get out of, spinning out of control. But God's calling us today. Yes, he's calling us today. By working and worshiping. Now, the Lord's given you a spiritual gift if you're a Christian. Yes, he's given me a spiritual gift. And he uh, is uh, purposed to allow you and me to serve him with that spiritual gift. 
And I think for some reason there's a disconnect in the mindset of the average person about the church. I think a lot of people think that, you know, just go to church just to sing some songs and just go through the motions. I don't know where they get that from, but, but there's more to it than just coming to church just going through the motions. And church is the body of Christ. Church is the bride of Christ. Church is the bride that Jesus Christ will come back for one day. That's what he's talking about here. We have been enabled. We have been allotted. Now, I know there's not a perfect church, and, and, and New Rocky Creek isn't perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But look, Jesus is coming back for his church. Not a building, but for people. The body of Christ. And by the way, this coming back is going to be some accountability time at the judgment seat of Christ. Let all of us appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We may receive what we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. I was talking with some young people here recently, and it's a privilege to pour into young people, and I've had the privilege of doing that a couple of couples right now. And, uh, and, and as they're looking toward their life and and my goal as we get together is to tell them about God's plan for their life and the purpose of why we're here. I don't think they really get it. I don't think that they really understand it. And I, I don't think that I did completely either when I was younger. But uh, for some reason or another, there's a disconnect of the younger generation and understanding. For example... I've noticed this in dealing with young couples, and I'm not throwing rocks at all. I love our young couples, and there I've been as well, and here I go yet by the grace of God. I like to tell them only one, uh, the Harvard did a study, only one out of 1,105 couples, only one out of 1,105 couples in, in divorce that read their Bible together, that pray together, and go to church together. I always set them up and say, hey, look, in Georgia, it's one out of 1.7 marriages into divorce now. But now, uh, Harvard did this study, only one, listen now, out of 1,000, 1,000, imagine 1,000 couples, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, only one that read their Bible together and pray together and go to church together will end the divorce. Now, that doesn't mean that it, you're going to have smooth sailing all your life. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be work in your relationship. But if you want God's blessing in your home, you've got to put Jesus first, bottom line. And even if, listen to me, hear me, even when we put the Lord first and we serve the Lord in the church, it doesn't mean we're not going to have any problems. This is a lie. And I think, and I've not been uh, fair enough to be clarifying what I'm talking about. I think some people, again, just because we bring our children to church, we think, well, they're going to do this, that, and the other. Just because we come to church, that's the starting point. We can come to church until we hear sermon after sermon, but if it's water on a duck's back, if we're not responding to the Holy Spirit, then it's not going to really do us any good. And I, I love you, but I dare say that's what's happening in churches today. We're hearing sermons, we're liking them, we're tasting them, but we're not really following through what God the Holy, not all, I'm not seeing everybody, but by and large there's many, and, and I can tell because what I just mentioned about serving the Lord. If this is true, then all it takes is turning that light switch on. You know, all it takes is understanding 
that God blesses what he initiates. Oh, yes, I want the blessings of God. So, number two, by working and worshiping, not only by witnessing, and, uh, but that Jesus said, I have sent my angel to testify these things into the churches. Notice he said churches, ecclesia, and the root and the offspring of David. The Lord loves the church. Now, I know the church has been bashed, and I know the things that have come out recently, and I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago with a prominent apologist and all of that, and, and I, if you didn't get that message, you can go back and listen to it later. But look, that's no excuse for me and you not serving the Lord and obeying the Word of God. Can I say it again? It's no excuse. You can look at people and say, well, look at what they did, look what they did. Guess what? I'll have to stand before Jesus and you will individually. I'm not going to have to answer for Jackie, amen? I'm going to have to answer for what I've done. And so by working and worshiping, how are you going to stand before the Lord? You say, Pastor, I can endure this, but, but hey, look, I love you. Number three, by warning, by warning, by warning, not only by witnessing and by waiting, rather waiting and watching, but, and, and by working and worshiping. Yes, that's what God's called us to do, by the way. Worship's not just on Sunday morning. Garrett, is Garrett back there? Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Worship's not just on Sunday morning, is it? It's all through the week. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle that, that uh, attributing word to the one who's worthy to be worshipped. And I know Garrett talks about worship and how we need to worship the Lord. I know that they don't want us to sing now. I know the COVID-19, they don't want us to, you know, be too loud and all that. But hey, look, you can worship God in your heart, amen? Yes, you can. That's what the Lord's calling. By warning those outside the church, here's the deal. Inward focus, outward focus. For without are dogs, not four-legged, two-legged, and sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So our, our calling in the light of the secular media, in the light of the political things that are going on, in the light of the spiritual ramifications of what's going on all around us, we are to not only have an inward focus, but an outward focus. And, and, and this is where I think the Lord is calling us right here. This is where the Lord's calling us right here. He's calling us to have an inward focus, have an outward focus. And I'll be honest with you. If you know somebody as you stand to your feet right now that needs prayer, I'm going to encourage you to pray for them.